CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store. Welcome to the CoinWorld Podcast with your host, Jeff Stark. As I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks. And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast. It's beginning to look a lot like that time of year once again. It's now time for the Coin World Podcast. Glad to have you on board for this one. Wow, where has 2021 gone? Well, it doesn't matter. It's just about gone. Good day. I'm Larry Jewett. And I'm Jeff Stark. And, you know, I always say that it's beginning to cost a lot like Christmas. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, if you're listening to this and you still have some Christmas shopping to do, you might do some Christmas shopping for yourself through AmosAdvantage.com. I know I have. I just mentioned that because they used to be a sponsor. They're not now. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, this is the reminder that you only have a few more days for Christmas shopping, period. And you probably, if you have a spouse or significant other or family member that's not into the hobby, you need to find them something that uh, touches on their other interest, although coins are a good gift of course we all know that right <laughs> yeah for i mean for any occasion and even though amos advantage is not an active sponsor they are still a friend of the coin world podcast and we welcome all of our friends here because you know it takes a lot of folks to make this great thing happen our current sponsor of course coin world plus for those of you who are going to be fortunate enough to get a slabbed coin for your in your stocking this year well you know the best thing you need to do is find out more about coin world plus and find out what can be uh, added to your collection check out the want lists and and all the different activities in the community of the folks that are involved with coin world plus so you know this is great a great chance right here i think about this again giving coins is never it's always in season it's never out of season we just came off of the coins for christmas campaign and the free coin day that was held across the country here, and the spirit of giving is clearly prevailing. And so I'm going to give you a chance to talk once again. How's that? That's my gift to you, oh. allowing you the floor for this one. I, you know, I, I hear I was going to say when you said, you know, you're giving me something, I said, what, a headache? <laughs> but... <laughs> Kidding, kidding. Yeah, uh, that, that's not in season. That's always. so. It's interesting to me, you know, the, the whole getting ready for Christmas for those who celebrate. And, um, you know, I know it's a tough time for some folks, you know, maybe they've lost someone this year or, you know, somebody, you know, in years past around this time. And, and so the, the season is difficult, but, you know, we're fortunate to, to be able to, uh, take stock of the the year behind us and and look forward to the coming year. And uh, I looked at something that I did several years ago, the Twelve Days of Christmas, and finding all these connections to numismatics, which you know I, I keep harping on that you know no matter what the topic or the season or whatever, there's there's a way to bring it back to to coins. Uh, but this really was the case. I think my favorite piece in this, um, you know, the, the idea of 12 days of Christmas and, and different connections 
are, is the um, World War One era medal for the Christmas truce. Uh, some folks may have heard of that e- event where the um, you know soldiers on warring sides uh, truced it, you know had a truce at Christmas and, and came together to celebrate their common humanity. And I think that's you know that's what we should remember and, and keep in mind as this holiday season continues is, uh, you know, we all uh, may rest on different sides of the political aisle. We all may uh, worship differently. We all may eat different foods. You know, I think of, you know, I'm, I'm not a vegan, but I, you know, I'm, I'm sure there somebody out there in, in podcast lane is a vegan and, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to yuck on anybody's yum. So this is a good time to just reiterate that, that no matter where you are, no matter what you collect, right? I mean, I'm not going to go pop the balloon of somebody who's a big VAM guy. You know, I, I don't care for VAMs. And of course, for those who don't know, that's Van Allen Malice. That's uh, the authors of the book on Morgan and Peace Dollars. But, you know, die varieties don't excite me, but they excite a lot of people. And so good for those who find enjoyment in that. I find enjoyment in other areas. You know, don't tell me that my modern issue football shaped coin to use a, you know, random example, (laughs) total. No, I mean, it's totally random. I just, you know, I don't, I don't have the coin, but don't tell me that's not worthy of collecting. I won't tell you that your VAM is not worthy of collecting. Uh, This is all, you know, the obligatory Big Ten hobby. I haven't said it in a few weeks, but uh, it really does. I, I think of that again today as we're almost closing out the year. Well, I have to uh, clarify, you haven't said Big Ten Hobby live for a few weeks, but you do say it in the uh, recorded intro that we use for the uh, podcast. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so there. Uh, just this clarification here, because we want to be accurate in what we're talking about here. But, uh, you know, your points were well taken as far as the holiday goes. And by reviewing all the different stories that were involved in the 12 Days of Christmas post that we put up some time back, you know, ornaments come to mind here because one of the traditions that we had as children, we continue as adults in many cases, and that's the decoration of a Christmas tree, whether it be artificial, whether it be real, uh, whatever the case may be. <laughs> that's, that's another debate you don't want to get in, into. No, no you, no, you definitely don't want to get into that. It's to each his, each his or her or its own. It doesn't really much matter about that. But it becomes simply an object of nature that you adorn in some particular manner. And one of the stories dealt with the Canadian coin that uh, basically offered the uh, holiday ornament on it and is beautiful color. And I think about the fact that the U.S. Mint offers up their own annual ornaments that uh, go along with it. I know a lot of times we would hand make ornaments and date them as my father would take two clothespins and make a reindeer out of them or something like that. And, you know, then these become, when you find these 30 years later, they become really, really uh, significant. That's not numismatic related, but it's simply related about the spirit that was brought forth in those Canadian products that were made uh, possible back then. And so you think about all the different ways in the holidays that you can uh, really augment it numismatically and how you can augment it. I mean, Santa Claus, uh, the the concept of Santa Claus and the places it is had on paper money. And uh, because it looks almost like the chocolate bars that you uh, buy with the, the image on there as well. So it's just so great. But bottom line, not talking materialistically, but the whole idea behind the holiday is more of a 
not getting into religious, but getting into spiritual. The idea that peace on earth, goodwill toward men is what we need to practice each and every day. But it's always brought to mind around this time of year about how we can treat each other better. And it really does come down to the point where we've been through some tough times, all of us, in different ways. And we all have to be compassionate toward the, the battles that everybody's going through. A lot of times, some of the problems are, are kept internally and you, you don't see the joy. Those who have suffered through a loss are not going to be as joyous as they've had in the past. And you, we need to be compassionate toward that, as you mentioned at the top there. So it's just like this holiday season allows us it's not one where you can necessarily rest. You know, God rest ye merry gentlemen. Well, yeah, that was before Amazon. And so it's just like the idea that, you know, I'm now on a first name basis with the delivery driver. I don't know when she's going to move in. But the idea is that, uh, you know, it's been kind of hustle and bustle a lot and some catching up to do after what happened in 2020. But again, there's really a, one of our letters is going to touch on this. There's really... The solace that you need can be found just by spending some time one-on-one -on -one with your existing collection and with what you're trying to accomplish. And if you're going to make resolutions, resolve to improve your collection or take a, take a numismatic step forward in some way so that you can get increased value out of your hobby. I mean, if that's, that's my Christmas wish for all of us is that we realize well, how good we have it by being numismatists. Yeah, we're we're fortunate. I mean, anybody who engages in this hobby, in this pursuit, you know, has a little bit of money to to spend on it. Obviously, you can't do this without a little bit of money. Certainly, even if that's just setting aside, you know, ten dollars a week in pocket change fines, uh, you have some time to engage in it. You know, how many folks are busy with uh, two jobs, maybe, and or you know, one outside the home job and one inside the home job, parents and spouses and others, you know, and, and you've got all these commitments and, and responsibilities of being an adult and maybe you can't, you know, shake free from them as easily as others. And, you know, so anybody who's doing this gets to have fun and learn and maybe make a little money. Certainly uh, it's, it's hard to lose a lot of money. I mean, I think about my twin brother, and his son is on a travel team for hockey and, you know, they're making great memories and they have a lot to show for it in that regard, but there's no pile of coins that they get at the end of that, you know, thing that, okay, we're, we're finished with this. We're going to turn these back in and get something out of it, you know? And so we that do this, you know, as opposed to some other thing where there's, you know, the money's gone, the, the time is gone, you know, there's, there's nothing material to show for it at the end. You know, we do have a little different path that we take then, but I'm, I'm also reminded of, uh, you know, earlier this week, you, you got in touch with somebody in the elongated coin space. And this is a guy who lives the idea that, coin collecting is not about objects. It's about people. This hobby is people driven. It's object driven. Of course, you know, if we didn't have these ooh shiny things, but it's about the connections we make with people. And that's, that's what we're really trying to do here on earth. And, and here in the hobby is, is, you know, find a place where we belong and we can fit into the world a little bit 
and find like-minded individuals or at least individuals who have a like-minded pursuit. And, you know, you to, to your point there, too, because the objects themselves are very, very important, but the object themselves doesn't change when you pass it from one person to the next. It's the expression on their face that changes. And, you know, the imagine the joy by, uh, you know, I watched a video about the creation of an elongated scent and just the joy that the individual had when it came down the chute and they had this memory now created from this attraction. And I mean, it's just something that costs 50 cents to make and a, and a penny and a cent. And then this great experience is just that. It doesn't always come down to dollars. It comes down to the idea of what can it do. And when you hand a child a coin that has some significance, they may not understand the significance, but the idea is they get the joy out of it. And it becomes a vehicle of passion. Because maybe maybe you'll have a situation like, you know, it seems like invariably, and you, you'd think I make these up, that invariably I have a story about what I got in change. Well, I didn't get it. Michelle got it in change yesterday. She goes, there's change in the bag, the toothpaste bag. And I looked at it and went, oh, cool. Here's a, you know, here's a state quarter from 2000. Got that already. And here's a regular quarter, 1993. Got that already. What is this? Lo and behold, it was a Canadian quarter, a 25 cent piece from Canada. And I said, look what you brought home. And she goes, oh, Canadian quarter. That's pretty cool. I said, look at the date. It happened to be her birth year. Needless to say, I won't see that quarter again. 1985? No, no, no. no, no. Nice, nice try. You know, cradle robber, I'm not. But, uh, you know, it's just the idea that that, you know, number one, the uniqueness of the fact that it's a Canadian quarter, but then granted in Florida, about 40% of our, our population is now from Canada. But, uh, you know, the idea that it was just something unique and something unusual. And it could be something that in another household would have been unnoticed, would have been something that's just simply like, what's this thing? And, you know, it just would have been put back into circulation. I'm not I'm, this one definitely won't be going back, but put back into circulation. But the fact that it, a 25 cent piece brought a smile to her face just goes to show you right there. And it also goes to show you though, I mean, you know, to highlight the the monetary connection, you just lost money. <laughs> that Canadian quarter is only worth yeah, 78% of the US equivalent <laughs> because of the exchange rate. If but, that's uh, the way you choose <laughs> to look at it, that's fine. That's just fantastic. I mean, that that 78% of 25 cents is not going back into circulation, so it doesn't matter. It's going to carry, I mean, it's going to bear interest in years ahead, more so than that 1993 quarter did, that's for sure. Far, but, uh, yeah, far yeah. more, it's, it, it's far more worth the seven cents or whatever, six cents uh, difference for what it represents. Yeah. And it it just comes down to this. Sometimes if you wrap so much value onto what something is worth, not saying it's not a worthwhile pursuit, but just the idea is we wouldn't have charity if we did that. Do you want to give, uh, you know, you want to make a contribution to an organization to help others? Well, no, I can't do that because that's going to take $10, $20, $50 out of my pocket. You know, so that we would be, you know, so self-centered on something like that, that, that that just goes against the spirit of what you're trying to accomplish in making the world a better place. I mean, sometimes you make the world a better place for others, not yourself. I give my money to charity every 
two weeks, every paycheck. At least that's the name she uses at the club. Well, one could say that your employer feels the same way by paying you every two weeks. So, <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> All right. On that note, we should we should probably delve into some numismatic history, huh? I like that. It's always fun to look back and see um, what happened in the past, and I found it really neat. You know, a lot of times this uh, this week in numismatic history is necessarily or, you know, it's, it's simply we, we rely upon U.S. related stuff. But this is a story that comes from jolly old England. And it happened on Christmas, December 25th, 1699. What? Pray tell happened on Christmas 1699. Well, that was when, at his own request, man by the name of Isaac Newton, sound familiar? Transferred from being the warden at the Royal Mint to being the master of the Royal Mint. It was a shift in prestige, but a more lucrative and influential post, we are told. Many folks know that Sir Isaac Newton, the uh, nominative would come later, I believe, served as master of the Royal Mint, and he was the mind behind putting uh, reading on coins to discourage shaving of silver. He was there for something like 20, 30 years. Um, hmm. Many folks don't know this, though. You know, you we know of Newton for his, you know, New- Newtonian laws and all that. But uh, he, he had a role in coinage history. And I found it interesting that the change was made on Christmas. What a nice Christmas present to himself to switch roles at the Mint. To mention something U.S. related, on December 26th, what happened then? That was uh, 1921. The beginning of the peace dollar production commenced at the Philadelphia Mint. Maybe we should save that for next week, but eh, cat's out of the bag. So there's your seasonal festive happenings this week in numismatic history. And those are very worthy events here. I mean, uh, the month of December has been just chock full of great information regarding uh, numismatic accomplishments. And there have been a lot of historic events, too. Recently reread about the uh, first flight of Orville and Wilbur Wright and uh, learned a lot about that from uh, the uh, This Day in History in December 17th. So it's just like really cool things have been happening, but... uh, we have had a lot of things you mentioned earlier about our 12 Days of Christmas that we did on our website, but the magazine Coin World has done a lot in its 60 plus years. What year would you like to go back to now? So why don't we go back to 1994? As I recall, that was around the time that I may have received a subscription to Coin World for Christmas. I was reading it at the library. I know that I saw coverage of the 1995 double die coin. I think that was in my own subscription. I'm not sure. So we're going back to 1994. I think that's when the year that I got my, my first subscription to coin world and particularly we're going to the December 19 issue. 
the cover is different on this. It's um, there's really no main news story. It's a teaser for a a news feature, which I found interesting. And I and I'm curious to know. I'm going to explain what the story was and then pose the question. I wonder what the answer would be today. The story was, and and the headline reads. What is the collector's choice among American coin designs? Is it Walking Liberty or St. Gaudens? The question basically comes down to, what's your favorite U.S. coin design of all time? 1994, you're talking 27 years ago. I don't know that there's been enough material change in U.S. coinage between now and then. You know, from a series standpoint, no no series jumps out as capturing the zeitgeist, capturing everyone's imagination. You know, there's still so much love for the classic era of coins, the, you know, standing Liberty quarters, the walking Liberty half dollars, the Buffalo nickels, that era, the renaissance of American coinage, as Roger Burdett has written about. This story admittedly was an unscientific look at that question. As Rich Gedroyce wrote then, for decades, the answer given by numismatic writers has been the St. Gaudens $20 gold double eagle, particularly the 1907 ultra high relief variety. Have taste changed? Is the design of, design of the double eagle still the favorite of a majority of American numismatists? Is this the opinion of a vocal minority or was it ever the U.S. favorite? So he goes on to mention all the different changes uh, in American coinage. And there's lots of readers weighed in, but the overall summation is that the Walking Liberty half dollar appeared to be the most popular U.S. coin design, at least according to the unscientific poll conducted by some coin world correspondents. So got me thinking, you know, that Walking Liberty design we know that today as much for the walking liberty design as for the american silver eagle that uh sort of echoes or mirrors it right and in 1994 that program would have only been 7 years old i wonder if it had not had the longevity or demand yet to foster interest I wonder if people now would look at it in a different light and maybe give more love to the bullion coin than the classic circulating coin. Although, you know, there's, for my money, I would say I like the idea of a coin that was in circulation more so than one that sold as a, an investment uh, vehicle or, you know, monetary hedge, whatever, however you look at silver bullion. What do you think, Larry? What do you think? Uh, and and we'll ask everybody listening, you know, what's your favorite U.S. coin design? And, and what do you think it is from what you've observed in the hobby so far? There are a lot of beautiful designs out there and a lot of work that goes into it. I mean, I go back into some of the 19th century stuff. Is uh, I can understand why there was attraction to the Seated Liberties and why there was attraction to the Morgans and, and all the things like that. So, I really can't zero in on one design and no offense to the current designers because they're putting a lot of work into it too. But I think 
when we had so many different new designs, it got overwhelming when you stopped and think about, you know, the older times and the denominations, the way the designs were. And I still love just kind of looking at all the details on the back of a, a two cent coin and, and, you know, the ribbon of in God we trust and all that. So I, I'm more into a period, I guess, and I would say than into a specific coin. And then again, I mean, if you wanted to really get into design things, I, I like a lot of the world coins too. I mean, I spend more time looking at some of the lower denomination world coins and the designs on them than I do on some of the American coins. So it's it's here again, it's just one of those things. It's it, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder is very simply what it comes down to. So just because I like something doesn't mean somebody else has to like it. And just because they do doesn't mean I do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, a while back, uh, you teased us about the letters having special resonance for this time. You saw something in the letters in this issue that uh, that jumped out. What was that? Yeah, more or less because the idea of taking some time and being with your collection, one letter actually uh, kind of said that because it says, remember the young collectors. Now I get it that I'm probably going to be pigeonholed as being somebody that's attracted just to these young collectors. But again, it's very important. And the fact that this letter is from 1994 talking about young collectors indicates that, you know, we are still in the process of doing that and always will be. Let's face it, always will be. You got to keep the pipeline filled. The letter starts off, I have been collecting coins since I was 12 years of age, since approximately 1963. So that would put our writer at the 70-year mark. Happy birthday earlier this year. My mother used to take me to coin clubs where I met some of the best people. I'm now 45 years of age, married with two sets of twins, girls and boys. Every once in a while, I get out my coins and just enjoy and remember. And that's the line right there that resonated with me. It's not a case of getting them out, seeing what you have to fill for your uh, album or anything like that. It just simply said, every once in a while, I get out my coins and just enjoy and remember. I do this more often on stressful days, and the girls join in asking questions, which I answer if I can. If not, I get out the books, and we learn together. Even if I do know, we use the books anyway. At present, we're learning to grade coins. Well, through the years of collecting, it seems you acquire odds and ends, upgrading coins which you thought were great, to find out, well, they weren't. Well, I've been sorting through and saving some of those 25 cent to $5 coins. And as I was doing this, Amy and Amber said, hey, dad, can we have those? Thinking for a couple of days, I agreed, but came up with an idea. Why not either sell or trade, be it coins, baseball cards, or stamps, whatever they agreed upon? The coins aren't that bad. Indians, buffaloes, early and late mercuries. Some are good, some are better, some are not so good. They're the kind of coins that dealers wouldn't want. And if they did buy them, all I'd get was silver price or less. I think that younger people could get together, do some trading with each other, and at the same time become great pen pals. Pen pals, imagine that. They could learn from each other and more than likely teach us older collectors the real spirit of the hobby. As we get older, we forget what joy we used to have, the real reason we started. Please remember and remember well. These are the collectors and dealers of tomorrow. It's our duty to teach our children the history and special relationships that coin collectors have. And that's from Barry Crowley of Bay Point, California. And that one hit on so many different facets to me. 
The idea is some people may have gotten into this because they view it as an investment. That's fine. Some people may have gotten into it because they like the designs or of a certain type. That's fine. Some people may have gotten into it because their parents did it. That's fine. It's all fine. But sometimes we forget why. We forget the why because we get distracted by something else or someone else or some of somebody else's point of view and then get ourselves in a position where it's not fun anymore. You hear so many times about collectors who started out and then life got in the way or they just simply lost the fire. It's great when they rekindle that fire. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But that's okay. As long as, you know, they get the most out of it. And don't forget, you know, you never, it's one of those things, be nice to people on your way up because you're going to run into the same people on your way down. And that's the same thing with this hobby. When you started out, you started out for a reason. And that reason meant something to you, not necessarily to somebody else, not necessarily to those who are classmates and they, they don't understand it. I think of the recent guest we had on Nick Allegretti and the idea that he is a professional athlete. And if you go among the classes of professional athletes, you may find a lot of folks that uh, get involved in hobbies that are totally different than that. But through his days at the University of Illinois as the only coin collector on the team and Kansas City perhaps being the only coin collector on the team, it still didn't dissuade him from enjoying and pursuing the hobby that he loves and continues to love. And that's what, the way we all should kind of do that is remember that regardless of what anybody else thinks, this is your hobby. This is your activity. This is you. This is what uniquely defines who you are. And don't ever forget that. I'm re reminded of something that happened last week in a Facebook group. Somebody posted a photo of a Sacagawea dollar. And they were, what is this? What do I have? It doesn't have a date on it. Is this rare? Whatever. And, you know, a bunch of people were quick to pile on. Oh, you know, that's haha. You know, you that's that's a dollar coin, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know. And my first instinct was, hey, wait a minute. When was the last time you saw a dollar coin in circulation? You know, just because we collectors are familiar with it doesn't mean that somebody who's not and who's at the beginning is ever going to have seen one. And then, you know, let's get real. The edge lettering on those coins is horrible. You know, there are world mints that have done far better. There are the U.S. Mint two centuries ago did much better than the U.S. Mint did on these dollar coins in recent times, as far as edge lettering goes. You know, why would you think to look on an edge for the date? We get so entrenched in our hobby and understanding. There's a lingo to this and a fluency. It requires a fluency that frankly can be off-putting to those who aren't familiar. And if, if your first reaction is to go, you know, is to act like Nelson on the Simpson, ha ha, you know, and, and treat somebody that way, are they going to stick around? You know, come on. It was a legitimate question for somebody who didn't know. And, and I just thought, you know, my comment was it's, you know, it's sort of elitist to, to assume that everybody has this knowledge and, and is, should be at the place that you are now, you well, know? Yeah, I, definitely. I mean, we, we've all tried to spend $2 notes and, and half dollar coins and dollar coins and this and that, and sort of received those quizzical looks uh, from people. And yeah, there's some, 
fun in that, in the sense that, you know, haha, you know, you, you know, something that these other people don't, but again, if the stuff is not out there in circulation to any great measure, how can you expect people to know? And if then when they ask friendly, you know, they're, they're warmly asking and trying to learn, you put them down, you're just going to turn them away. So I found that interesting and, you know, we're off, I'm off on this tangent. So let me, let's reel me back in, but. uh, Okay. Well, well, as you're off on this tangent, I was kind of hoping this would be my trivia question. When you ask, when was the last time you've seen a uh, dollar coin? The answer to that for me would have been December 10th of 2021, because as I was making my way out of a restaurant with my parents, looked down at the table and the individual who'd been seated in the booth had a pile of change as the tip. And in there were two John Tyler presidential dollars. So there you have it. That's the last time I saw a dollar coin. Wow. <laughs> well, no, that's not the trivia question. Oh, uh, okay. But but I should ask the trivia question. You know, last week, you know, because Nick Allegretti was on, I wanted to go with something that was sports related. And I thought about a coin toss. And you may have knowingly mentioned this, you may have unknowingly mentioned this, but I think you might know the answer based on what you've said so far today. Uh, I said that there was a momentous coin toss that took place in American history, and it has a connection sort of to a U.S. commemorative coin program. I wish I was, I wish I could, you know, go to that buildup that you gave me here that uh, I unknowingly or knowingly said something. I can tell you right now, it definitely wasn't knowingly. It was accidental. And now I'm trying to remember what I said. I feel like I'm in an argument with my wife. Um, <laughs> just well, the idea that, uh, you know, I said something. I can't remember what I said now, but uh, no, well, I'm. I'm totally drawing a blank on this. I think you even told me that there was some connection, the commemorative coin. And, and it's just that I, I, you know, I think about a coin toss and, you know, obviously a football thing comes to mind. And I think that, you know, there was a presidential election decided, it wasn't decided by a coin toss, but there have been circumstances that have led to, uh, you know, tiebreaker type things. And I, I can't even get a, good guess on something like this. And I'm as, as the gift to the listeners, I'm just going to bow out and say, I have no idea. Okay. So you're not going to be subjected to the numismatic couch for this faux pas. <laughs> you say you feel like uh, you're caught discussion with your wife. Um, you mentioned something that happened on December 17th, I want to say. And so what happened was December 1903, the year 1903. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When the Wright brothers flipped a coin to see which one of the pair would take flight at Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, in the first ever powered aircraft. Wilbur Wright won the toss. However, Orville Wright's subsequent trip was deemed the first powered flight, according to the Telegraph, in 2000. Three, the U.S. Mint released three commemorative coins to mark the 100th anniversary of their feat. Of course, they're also celebrated on the North Carolina quarter and the Ohio quarter, but I specified commemorative coin program. And so I say this with the caveat that if a historian 
listens and says, wherever you got that says it's wrong. You blew it. I'll admit it. I'll cop to that. But uh, this is what I found. The Wright brothers, there was a coin toss that was involved in this moment in history. So that's what I thought would be kind of fun. You know, it's not really a, which coin was the first to have in God we trust on it. It's not that kind of question, but I thought it was pretty cool nonetheless. My only question to you is, what was it? Was it a cent? Was it a dollar? What was it? You know, that's... A... Is, is that in a museum somewhere in Dayton? I just have to wonder, you know, that's... Road trip. Yeah, well, shoot, I could have looked a couple weeks ago. <laughs> All right, so I didn't do so swell on that one. I'll, I'll own up to that. And I think it's hysterical that I brought that up because... Uh, Later on today, as this is pre-recorded, I'm going to be hosting a trivia contest, and one of my questions has to do with the Wright brothers. So now I got a second question I can throw at them. I appreciate that. And maybe your participants will get it right, unlike you. Oh, no. You had to go there 38 minutes before you had a pun. Oh, no. Okay. I'll leave it at that for a holiday treat, Christmas gift to everyone. No more, no more for now. But that does beg the question, which state quarter, I'll, I'll narrow it down. You have a 2% shot right off the bat because there's only 50 technical state quarters, not a territory, not a, you know, which state quarter celebrates a famous event in history on Christmas? Okay. Well, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping you'd go with something thematic toward uh, toward the holiday here, and so I was kind of cheating toward the pine tree shilling. But uh, now you're talking about an event. I'll have to give that one some thought. I mean, it's probably not listed on this day in history from the Coin World Archive, so I'll have to really think about what I know historically, and uh, maybe you know, maybe I'll be able to come up with this one. But you're specifically wanting to know. It's a state reference, and it's an event reference. Okay, got it. Yes, there's a 2% chance. There's only 50 of them. You know, you start doing the mental breakdown of all the designs and what could possibly have anything to do with Christmas. It's not that difficult, especially for the somewhat serious student of American history or the, the nominally serious. How about that? Cause it's okay. not, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something we all learned in school. I believe many of us did. If you keep talking, you're going to give it away. Okay. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want uh, you know, I'm going to let you sink or swim on your own accord. So we'll leave it at that. We'll have the answer next week. Uh, you know, this week you may have noticed we we don't have an interview, but that's okay. We get to riff. We get to have fun. Uh, we get to maybe do a quicker show, get you in and out and on to your holiday celebrations quicker than you would have otherwise. But we do thank you for being here this year. We're, uh, we're coming up on, uh, you know, in about, uh, you know, this is episode 143. So we're we're just you know three months away from three year anniversary, and um, you know we're planning next year. We're trying to line up some more some more great guests and see how we can evolve and improve. And if you have a a wish 
list for us on what you want to hear, what uh, what we should talk about. Do reach out, and uh, if you're finding value in this, please share it with others and make a rating in the podcast provider that you use, and certainly even uh, support the sponsors because they're they're the ones that allow us to be here. Yeah, we definitely appreciate all the past support, and we hope we have the continued support of everyone. And again, we uh, and we invite you to send your comments and send your suggestions because. I know there are folks that you'd like to hear from, and we like to reach out to them. We've got a few invitations that are out right now, some some guests that uh, could really enhance it, and uh, you know we'd be amenable to your suggestions as well. So please don't hesitate. Share what you love in this game. Just drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking, what you got planned for 2022. You know, it's got to be a significant year for some of you out there. There got to be clubs celebrating their 50th anniversary. We'd love to hear about that. You know, a special person or what you did on Coins for Christmas or the uh, free coin day, what you did to help out, what you did as far as did you give a gift for a, a potential a young numismatist? Did you receive anything of, of particular interest. Let us know that. I mean, we'd be more than happy to share the joy of your own experience here. So we invite you to do that. Those emails are available right here. Got to give a shout out to Brian. Thank you, Brian, for the job that you do for us. Uh, our Christmas gift to you is we won't make as many mistakes, so you won't have to make as many edits. So promise that, sort of. Sort of. And, uh, you know, on that note, I think um, we'll probably, I guess the next show will will drop in the new year. So it's trite. It's cliche. We'll see you next year. But um, but really uh, looking forward to 2022, hopefully uh, turning the corner on some things. And, um, we, you know, we'll see you at the fun show, New York show and whatever else d- develops down the road. Uh, but until then, happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. Coin World Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about Coin World Plus at coinworldplus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.